Last time on Montreal Sauce. I accidentally called Jeff Joe. I don't know why I did that, but somehow I auto-rhymed his name. Sorry about that, Jeff. On with part two. Okay, bye. I guess from there you kind of transition. We get into your sort of post-media days, right? Uh, and capital ideas? Is that- yeah, so I still would have been at AMI, again, day job, and we stopped the Edmontonian. And uh, yeah, a couple of years later, yeah, I was looking for something new. Again, AMI was great uh, and remains great. I've just, I had been there for seven years and done mm-hmm. quite a lot. And it's a small company um, with most of the people in Toronto. So the sort of upward mobility within the company wasn't, uh, you know, there weren't a ton of options around. And yeah, so I'd been there for seven years, decided ah, it's time to look for something new, something different. And uh, yeah, noticed this job at Post Media. Again, product strategist meant nothing to me, job title wise. But um, it was connected to Capital Ideas. Um, and Capital Ideas and Gastro Post were a couple of communities that had started a few years back. And locally were started, uh, Capital Ideas was started by Karen Unland and Brittany LeBlanc, um, both of whom I had known from previous walks of life. So Karen, I think I met through the Edmontonian. She was doing stuff online. Um, She was the online editor at the Edmonton Journal. Then she was teaching at McEwen and had the students set up like a website, you know, called West Edmonton Local, which was essentially, again, sort of small hyper local around the area where the McEwen campus was in uh, the campus was in West Edmonton and doing stories around that area. Um, and so I'd known her from, from that, from Twitter and Brittany, we had worked at, uh, at Ched actually originally together. And then, yeah, from, from online, cause Brittany is like, Brittany is the Twitterati in Edmonton. <laughs> right. In Edmonton. Yep. So, um, I saw that this job was there. They were both still there. Karen at Capital Ideas, Brittany at GastroPost, a food related community and, uh, and thought it would be cool to work with them. Thought the job sounded interesting, definitely different from news stuff that I had been doing and uh, ended up uh, getting it. Nice. There you go. And then ended up working at and running Capital Ideas, which is a business of community or a community of (laughs) business owners helping business owners. Gone a month, I've already forgotten the tagline. (laughs) Um, And so what that did uh, was essentially tapping into business owners here in Edmonton. Now it's in Calgary too, who want to learn more about business who want to learn how to do things or, you know, get over failures or, or just learn different aspects of business from each other and share that stuff too. Right. And people are very willing to share what they've been through and share what they know. Um, and so it's just found some ways to tap into that knowledge and that sharing, um, getting people to answer questions so other people can see those answers, um, and meeting at monthly panel events where a few business owners chat about a particular topic. Um, so yeah, that was, that was great fun and it was awesome to, again, kind of be immersed in community. So in this case, business owners in Edmonton, a little bit in Calgary. I had some time in Calgary. Um, But just learning about business from them, learning about what they've done here in the city and the stuff that they're building and kind of all these cool and neat and small businesses that people are running uh, was just a, a lot of fun to be around that. And then, of course, it also rubs off on you to kind of be an entrepreneur a little oh, bit sure. too, which happened to Karen. And then she went out and started Seen and Heard, the, the podcast network, um, and had taken a course, of course, in New York as well. Um, 
to help build her business. Um, but yeah, I think it's very true. You hang around all these business owners and entrepreneurs talking about great things, but you know, some of their failures and different things, but just to hear their stories and how they've overcome and what they're building, it is kind of, uh, inspiring and it does kind of get you thinking about your own ideas. And then you're kind of like, yeah, I should just do it. I should just start a business. Oh yeah. That's, that's what this podcast has been for me as well. Yeah. For the last couple of years, it's like I talk to inspiring people like yourself and then like I finish up and my wife is like, how'd it go? And I'm like, I don't, I, I, I can't go to bed right now. I've got an idea. I gotta write this down. Yeah. I gotta... <laughs> and Paul is just like super tired cause he's two hours ahead of us. <laughs> No, I often actually have the same thing where it's like at the end of these conversations, I'm like, well, it's uh, 1130 at night here and I'm probably going to still be up at 130 in the morning because I'm my brain is going to be uh, full of stuff that it needs to kind of process before I can fall asleep. Yeah. And Karen, uh, Karen, who started Capital Ideas and the scene and heard uh, scene and heard Yeg, is it seen and heard, seen and in, heard Yeg. in Edmonton in Yeg? Yeah, she, when she started that, um, she also started the podcast meetups here that I go to yeah. regularly. Uh, you were a guest speaker once. I That's was. How we got connected, sort of, although I met you before that. And then, um, yeah, and then Karen is trying to start a local podcast network, which we have joined. Um, That's right. So. That's pretty awesome. Just thought I'd make that connection in case uh, Paul missed that part. But uh, yeah, Karen is amazing. <laughs> she is a great lady, a smart, smart person um, and trying to build new media things, which is, mm. um, you know, again, lots of people in media and journalism and any industry that's challenged, you know, lament how things are going. Um, but it's it's up to the few people that. Uh, are willing to kind of stick it out or try things and, and try to build things. And she's definitely been doing that for a number of years now, kind of ahead of, of most of the other people doing it. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the Edmontonian kind of wraps up, but then the Edmontonian media company is born yeah. and you're sort of doing this other new day job. And so the real reason that you're on the podcast tonight is because your very first short, if I understand correctly, fiction short, not the other stuff that you were doing with Shaw, was called Sick Day, which is sort of my moniker online, Sick Days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had, uh, we had a lot of fun doing the cold opens for the show. So the Edmontonian Presents, which was the show we did on Shaw TV, um, we started each episode with a cold open, which was essentially, you know, fiction or sketch. Like it wasn't really news. It's not really part of the the content. You know, I think in the first one, I'm talking to my fake staff at the Edmontonian about this show that we just got on Shaw. It's super meta, right? And what, <laughs> what are we going to do? What's the show going to be about? Um, and so, and, and that too, we just had like people who have been contributors or friends came out uh, a couple of different times and did those, those cold opens. And we had so much fun doing that. And both had some sort of background interest, um, Sally more obviously, cause she had actually gone to film school, um, in that kind of world as well. Um, and so that sort of spun into that, like, why don't we do do some productions like why don't we make some shorts and different video stuff because we had done these cold opens um you know we we figured we could do some other stuff we could maybe write 
some things together or, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And these people that we had met uh, and some of whom were our friends now, like a lot of people are making things. It's like we could work with them um, and other people we had met through the Edmontonian, you know, that were in the arts and, and theater communities that were actors and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, we sort of tried that. And the first we were going to be the first thing we were going to do was uh, a web series and ended up being a pilot um, called Startups. Oh, okay. So we had written that, but we wanted to make sure we had some sense of how to actually shoot it because Startups ridiculously has a huge cast. Like, why would we have a cast of <laughs> like 20 people? Marty Chan, short. one of our former guests, was in it. Yes. Also, Karen is in it. That's right. Yes, Marty's in it. Karen is in it. Uh, Owen uh, Ryerly, who is the head of uh, EDAC, so Edmonton Digital Arts College, the school that Sally went to. Um, he's in it at the end uh, with Karen and Marty. And then actually uh, a local school trustee, Michael Jans, is in it. Nice. Uh, just sort of met him through doing stuff at the Edmontonian. I need to get Owen on the show too because I've always wanted to. Yeah, work Owen is, uh, is a great guy. <laughs> he's he's just fantastic and does so much stuff. Like he's running this this digital arts school. Um, he's got a background in like theater uh, and improv, and uh, he's a DJ as well. Like he's just and and does some cool art installations. Like when he goes out to some of the shows, like yeah, he's an amazing guy to talk to. Um, but we wanted to make sure when we did startups. Because uh, we had this, it's based on this kind of like business startup class, basically. Um, so it was going to have a bunch of people in it. We were going to try and shoot it on a weekend. Um, did we know how to pull that off to some degree? Um, because all we had really done previous to that were these cold opens, which were, you know, you probably shoot for, you know, two hours. Um, and they're smaller, just a few people. So sick day is essentially improvised. Um, and it's, yeah, Sally calls in sick to work and accidentally gets locked out of her house and sort of the, the things that happen to her throughout the day to get back in. <laughs> and, and it was mostly done so that we could kind of get a sense of how to shoot um, people acting and how to shoot, you know, different angles and get the sound. Um, so it's not great. Um, and um, it's probably too long um, for a short. It's like 13 minutes or something. Um, but it was fun. And, uh, and we, we really like it and, but it mostly taught us some of the stuff we were going to need to know to actually pull startups off. Yeah. I, my favorite part was, uh, I think what the name, the name of the locksmith was like Lock'em Sock'em Locksmiths. Locksmiths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sally like designed like a logo for it. Yep. We like printed one of those magnets to put on our friend Colin's car cause he was playing the locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have another uh, script that we've done uh, for a show that there was a locksmith in that and it was called Lock'em Sock'em Locksmith. So this Ooh. was actually like we brought that over. Right. I hope one day we produce it. And then I hope one day we produce a third thing. It's like the <laughs> Lock'em Lock. It's like the Edmonton Locksmith trilogy. Right. Yes. One day. We'll oh. see. <laughs> I like this. Yeah. But it has to be like. 20 years between each one. So it's yeah. like really cool. Like, right. And then eventually somebody else can come along and do the locksmith origin story. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. I like that. Lock em, sock em, cinematic universe. Yeah. And then like the gritty reboot. Ooh. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. I'm sold. Just yeah. don't, right. as long as the locksmith's mother's name isn't Martha. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. 
I'll have to go back and double check that in the script. (laughs) (laughs) It probably was. All right. Well, I mean, that was fun. I know we usually don't end this early, but we have to Kickstarter to start. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the, lock <laughs> the locksmith like origin. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, three you do three shorts, I think, is what I saw on there. And maybe the yeah, the third one was that one. That one was you guys just produced it and someone else wrote. Yeah. And directed. Right. So. Yeah. So we did sick day to learn how to work a camera, basically. And, and some of the things that would go into startups. Startups was like we wrote that. It's like fully kind of like produced and there's a bunch of people in it. Um, some of them we didn't know. And then we got people. We just kind of posted a video. Uh, that we shot and just said, hey, we're shooting this short if you want to get involved in like producing stuff and you've never done it before, never been on a set. You know, this is like something to jump into. And a couple people did, which is great. And we're still in contact with some of them and still see some of them out working and, and stuff, which is cool. Um, I think that was sort of through the the Yeg film community. Um, there's a group on Facebook, Yeg film, but there's like that kind of small really indie group in, in Edmonton of people who were shooting stuff and just willing to, to jump onto sets, which is cool. And did you use Fava too, or? No, we didn't. Mm, Yeah. We're, we're so indie. We're just indie (laughs) to the indie, right? Fava is like independent, but we're like, yeah, micro budget independent, I guess. I (laughs) I don't know. Um, so that was, yeah, so that was a lot of fun and working with people who had never really done that kind of stuff before and working with some of our friends, uh, or colleagues who had done some things in like that creative movie TV world, but maybe we gave them new, like a new role to do that they'd never done before. So that was kind of fun. And then we met some great actors through that as well, which was kind of neat. Um, including like people that we just sort of tangentially knew, right, through someone else or, you know, like Christian Zip is in it. Um, And he's sort of like quite well known within Edmonton sort of film community. And he has a show on CGSR. Um, But he was just sort of like somebody that Sally had met through the Edmonton Film Festival like one year and said, you know, we just said, hey, we're doing this thing. We know you're an actor. You want to be in it? And he was like, he jumped into it. It was just awesome. I mean, that's Christian. He's such a like a big hearted guy. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we, we did stuff like that and it was, um, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, then we decided, um, well, let's try producing something like straight up producing. We're not going to write it. Um, we're not going to shoot it. We're not going to edit it, which I'm sure Sally would have been on board for right there. Okay. I don't have to edit something. (laughs) Um, and again, through people that we knew through startups and the Yeg film community, um, Gita Segal had uh, a script, about a woman that was basically scared of sort of scared of heights, but scared of like one of our kind of bridges here in Edmonton that was getting old, was creaky and has like this giant like highway underneath it. Right. So um, it was basically her trying to traverse that to get to a friend's art opening and called obstacles, you know, the obstacles of getting there. And that was, yeah, we just wanted to try the whole organization aspect of putting it together. So you know, finding people, getting it, make sure there was equipment, who's going to do what, um, you know, getting, you know, the camera set up, the, we had somebody to do makeup, um, getting people on set to both act and also be crew, um, and then like help kind of push it out after. Um, so that, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting to, to work on something that wasn't ours at all. And, um, I think we did a good job. I think we enjoyed it to, to, most degrees, I'm sure. There was probably some things we would have been like, this isn't how we would do it. Um, 
but it was it was fun and but I think we also learned by doing that we enjoy our own stuff more um mm. just I don't know if it's necessarily the control of it because again we were producing it and so we sort of had some degree of control but I think um I don't know it's just like more of that personal connection to the content and and to the story and, and everything about it. I think we sort of definitely, definitely learned that. Hmm. Yeah. And so then you take it to the next level at Edmonton Media Co Company, because uh, then that's when we get to your latest series, the underdogs of comedy, which is like a multi-camera yes. like live recording. You just, you just love challenges. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why do we do this kind of stuff? Right. I mean, even like talk, I mentioned earlier, the, the live election show we did in our apartment, um, which has gone to the internet ether. But even that, we had, uh, I think, two cameras in our apartment. So these were all connected to computers, live streaming stuff, right? Um, so we had two computers in our apartment um, that Sally could literally switch between uh, during the show. Live stream has some really cool software to actually do like switching and things. Um, and then we also had... Uh, we we piped people in for like live kind of Skype style interviews during the show. And we also had, I think, two crews out in the world doing stuff on like, like a web, like a laptop with a webcam. So we love ridiculous, stupid <laughs> challenges for some reason, or, or we just don't think about how hard it will be. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, yeah, so underdogs, um, which is what brings us here today. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, is uh, our version of like the the awesome indie comedy scene that's happening in Edmonton. So we saw some people tweeting. I think Sally saw some folks tweeting about a show at the Empress, like a comedy show one night, and we happened into it, and it was great. Like the comedy was good, and the like it was all like local comedians, and they were telling great jokes, and it was a lot of fun. And then we went over to the underdog at uh, at the Black Dog, which also does a regular show. And it was just like, these shows are amazing. Like, these comedians are really funny. Like, we're laughing, like, hilariously. And the crowds are super supportive. Like, this is like, this is something. We got to do something on this because somebody else is going to. And we want to have the idea first for a change, that kind of thing. And uh, And, yeah, so we ended up talking to... Uh, Simon Gorsak, who's one of the comedians, but one of the guys running the show at the underdog and said, you know, we'd love to, to shoot something like we'll just do a web series. We'll shoot some live shows and put it together and it'll just be like live sets. Um, one of the inspirations for it was the meltdown, um, sure. which is shot, you know, the back of a comic book store in LA, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with Kumail Nanjani and I'm forgetting the other host. Um, but that, yeah, same sort of thing. Is it? Is it Jonah or Matt? Matt? No, it's Jonah, isn't it? I do not remember. <laughs> okay. People listening can Google it. Um, but yeah, the meltdown with Kamel and, and the other guy. Ah. But yeah, so that's just that sort of shot in this smallish space. Um, comedians doing, you know, smaller sets and different things. And, and that was our inspiration for it. And we sort of watched that and watched some stand up in in Netflix to really get in our heads, like, what should this look like? Mm, And so that helped us figure out where we would put our cameras when we actually shot it. Um, And I think for the most part, it it looks pretty good. Um, We we didn't know the cameras um, all that well. We had one that was ours. 
um, or two that were ours, but a couple other ones that weren't. So we didn't have all the settings and kind of like memorized and, and, and know how to like get the best out of them. But, uh, but they, I think it looks pretty good. We've sort of matched it. Um, Sally did some great work with like color balancing after the fact, cause it's really dark down in that basement. Right. Um, and we didn't want to bring in a bunch of like lights and really change kind of the vibe because it's sort of part of the fun down there is that it's just two hours, like 10 comedians get up. Uh, some of them are getting on by sort of draw right before the show. And some of them have been booked earlier. They get up and they're just doing their sets and it's, it's, they're trying out new stuff. They're, you know, they're indie comics. They're, I think for the most part, the way we describe it and I describe it to people talking about it is they're comics who are, are telling jokes that punch up, right? So they're not doing, you know, take my wife, please. They're not doing like, oh, my, my wife is such a, you know, a hassle. Mm -hmm. They're not doing kind of that style of comedy. They're not making fun of you know, people like, you know, sexism, racism, um, they're doing really smart storytelling and smart like jokes and, uh, and really the guys and the gals that run the rooms. So Simon and Brett McCrindle, they're both in the show. They run the underdog show. Uh, Dion Arnold was an original guy that started it. We didn't get him in the show, but he's around doing a lot of stuff. Um, I think running a show sometimes at El Cortez. Um, and then like Karina Morton, she's in the show. She's running now, uh, the Empress with Simon Glassman, and they took it over from Claire Belford, who was running it <laughs> for a while by herself, but I don't think she was the original one. But the people running these shows and uh, are really focused on that kind of comedy, comedy that is you know really good storytelling, great jokes, smart punchlines, but at the, the heart of it is it punching up, right? We're not making fun of people. Um, you know, you know, we're not telling stupid racist jokes and we're not telling like dumb wife jokes um, and really trying to, to, to take the high ground with a lot of this stuff. And they really encourage that of other comedians. They're not necessarily telling comedians, well, don't do those kinds of jokes here because they have lots of touring comedians come through, too. Um, and comedians that want to do that style of stuff that try and get up there on these stages, too. And they they're very encouraging and, and they, you know, they and other people in the scene wouldn't say, you know, you can't do that, but they would say, here's why it didn't work in this room because the people coming here are not, you know, they're not willing to accept those kinds of jokes anymore. Hmm. Um, and you know, I, my favorite story from the underdog is a comedian is up on stage and he's telling jokes that are sort of like that kind of, you know, those tropes. And he's talking about like his girlfriend and, you know, he's talking about, some sexual favors she's getting and then it but it's starting to lean into sort of some racism stuff and he sees the audience is just nowhere with him and he kind of stops and he's like he tells a joke and punchline no laughs he asks is that racist and then one person just yells yes and there's <laughs> just like that silence and that was kind of like okay i'm gonna get off stage now because this stuff's not flying in the room wow yeah, which I mean, I think that's the really kind of cool and fun thing, too, right? When you picture going to comedy um, and there still are a lot of big comedy clubs where you're going to get a lot of that style. And um, and, you know, it still can be funny or there's people in those in those worlds that can be funny. But the really smart indie kind of alt comics, um, especially some of the guys and, and, and gals that are big right now, like like Kumail Nanjani or Aziz Ansari or um you know, um, Maria Bamford, uh, which I'm a huge fan, uh, are doing stuff that doesn't have to be like that. 
And it's really interesting to go into these rooms, uh, you know, go to the Empress on Sundays or the Underdog on Thursdays. And people are just there to have fun. And they're just there to hear some great jokes and, you know, jokes that are not going to make fun of them. Anybody that's sitting in that audience is not going to be made fun of both like crowd work, but then also just the the content of the jokes, right? That stuff's not going to happen in those rooms. Or if it happens, you can see the other comics that are running the rooms and being as part of the show. They're kind of like going to let that comic know why that didn't work or why that shouldn't be happening in that room. And I think there's just that feeling of support uh, that comes with that. And it's a, it's a really small room too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you had, I, I'm surprised like you didn't, did you have to buy tickets for the cameras? Cause they took up room. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. The underdog is so the Empress is a little bit bigger, a bar uh, the underdog is very small. Um, yeah. I think I'm sure the capacity is probably, I don't know, like 40, 30, I don't know what like the legal capacity would be. <laughs> They're usually lined up down the hall uh, during the comedy nights. But yeah, so we tried to take up as little space as possible because it is a small room and they pack them every week. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, Sally's up on like the little staircase by the bar, like kind of in the corner. <laughs> and I'm like standing on a stool, kind of like, you know, leaning on a stool, trying to like not get in people's way. And we had like another person kind of sitting in the middle just sort of, again, try not to take up too much space. But yeah, they're really small rooms, um, which I think also feeds into that vibe. You're right there. Everybody's kind of around you. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. And, and I think it's a nice way for people to enjoy comedy basically for free. I mean, you know, buy a drink or two. Um, but there's no ticket prices to go to mm, these things. Okay. And the comics are really funny. And you're seeing people that are, you know, you probably haven't seen. Um, you know, and, and they will, a bunch of them will end up touring this country and they're going to become more well-known names because they're just so smart and so funny. So it's kind of cool. I'm kind of likening it to local music in a way, like people have their local bands that they like, and some of them stick around for a long time. Um, I think that's sort of what we're seeing with the scene here, which is probably catching up to other bigger cities to some degree. Um, but certainly that's what we're seeing. And we've got the two regular shows on white there with, um, you know, the Empress and the underdog, there's pretty regular stuff happening at El Cortez. There's almost a show kind of every night of the week or most nights of the week. And, uh, and then you're going to see like these different styles of comedy and they're, and these guys are going to be trying different jokes out. So you can see them, you know, two or three times in a month and hear a bunch of different jokes because they're working on their material. So the, the comedian that, uh, his jokes weren't flying, like your yeah. story that you told, like you can, you can, you can tell us it's okay. You can tell us like Paul is miles away with his American guns. Was it a, was it a U.S. comedian? Was he from America? <laughs> it was me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to come back here and film something and make you look bad. No. <laughs> That's right. I, I don't remember who it was. I'm just messing. No, no, I know. But uh, and it, I think it was. I mean, you you definitely I think you can see that out in like in like the big comedy world, too. Right. Like look at the Netflix specials even mm-hmm. that are there. There's people that do those sort of tried and true jokes or that's where they built their career in the first place. And they're yeah. still doing it like, you know, wife jokes, family jokes, um, you know, slightly racist or sexist jokes um, or just off color stuff. That's not always that funny. And then you've got like all these kind of indie comics and alt comics that are doing like really hilarious, you know, personal stories and takes on stuff that again are never really focused on hitting down at somebody or, or mm-hmm. making fun of them. 
Um, because I think that's probably why, I mean, you know, people talk about going to a comedy club. I think you kind of have an impression of what that would be. And some people, it's not a good impression. Right. And, and that's why I think these rooms are kind of cool. And we, we got to catch one in Seattle when we were there a few years ago on vacation. Uh, it was called the Comedy Womb. Um, I don't think it's called the comedy womb anymore. And it was very like female focused mm, okay. um, and inclusive uh, in that way. And, uh, you know, we saw Lindy West there, which was kind of neat. And and that was, again, really nurtured kind of scene. And, and the same thing is happening here. The people running the rooms, um, you know, want those rooms to be inclusive and want those rooms to be really supportive and fun for the people that come. And the comedians get a great testing ground for their material and, of course, can also then go on and, and play some of the bigger clubs as well um, with, you know, the jokes that they really feel are, are refined or doing well. And you guys produced and uh, released this quite a while ago and you contacted me and, I mean, it just took me forever to get you on the show or us to get our act together to get going <laughs> on the show again. It took me six hours to set up the audio today. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but you, uh, I think when we were emailing, is it, did you guys not get nominated or are you nominated? You, you had mentioned something about oh, the yeah. Alberta, what is it? The, yeah, the, uh, the Ampia, so Alberta I, I media, something production industry, basically the, the Alberta Emmys or the Alberta Oscars, right? Right. right or right. screenies. Um, yeah, so we've just submitted uh, our application to that. So we'll find out. We'll find out soon in the spring if we're nominated. Um, I hope we are, um, not because I want the show to be nominated or, or, or us to be nominated. Um, my biggest thing would be, so the episode that we ended up submitting for the, you know, the category of like web series, right, or nonfiction web series. Um, obviously, that'd be great. But the the episode we submitted, we also um submitted uh, a writing application for the the comedian in that one that was simon gorsak was the episode we sent in um so i would love that he get a nomination because i think it would be reflective of not our skills but what is happening in like that local and indie comedy scene in edmonton that these guys um are really great writers and super funny and uh, and the, the the jokes are are great and the stories are really fantastic. So I would love to see that get a writing nomination. Um, but we'll see. You never know. <laughs> Usually uh, we submit. So we we submitted for startups. We submitted for the Edmontonian Presents, the TV show too. Um, usually what happens is we submit in the year that the awards are in Calgary. So every year they flip. So Calgary, Edmonton, <laughs> they go off off years. So we always ended up submitting the year that it was in Calgary. So we'd get nominated and we couldn't go. Um, and we haven't won, so it's, it's not a big deal. Um, but so this year it's in Edmonton. So I, I don't know. Maybe we won't get nominated. Maybe we're only <laughs> supposed to get nominated when it's in Calgary. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, it's nice to hear these stories because uh, Paul, like, uh, Jeff is from the other side of the river of me. So that's where all the creative fun stuff happens. Uh, I see. I'm, I'm in like the, I'm not downtown where the business folks are. I, I'm in like a poser neighborhood that we, we want to be big <laughs> in business, but creative as well. So. You haven't You're fully all, gentrified yet where you are? Yeah, it's <laughs> like on the border of the gentrification. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Actually, I tell my wife that we live in the hood because things keep closing around us. <laughs> okay. Shoppers in front of us closed yeah. and all this stuff like closing down and just moving down the road. But I'm always just like, oh, we live in the hood, honey. Like nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I guess from there, I'm looking at my notes now. Where was I? <laughs> so you guys set up all those cameras Yes, I've covered that. And then right before Christmas, uh, I'm glad I listened to the radio yesterday uh, because I was wondering what happened. I saw this blog post and they were like, I'm leaving Capital Ideas. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, wow. So what's the news? Like, where is he going? What's happening? Like, I got really like excited and I, I forgot, like, you know, that Edmonton, like so many places around uh the world right now like news media is in trouble like yeah. big time and so i forgot there's all these layoffs and then i was just like wait would they do that like right before christmas and then i heard on the radio that they they essentially bought you out then is that yeah so it's um yeah i, I sort of said uh it's somewhat amicable uh i sure. suppose as 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 it could be yeah so in uh, the fall, um, post media, the company that owns like the journal on the sun here and the examiner. Um, yeah, they announced some staff reductions. So they're trying to, to cut 20% of staff costs. Um, and so as part of that, they offered people buyouts and then they said, if we don't hit 20%, well, there'll be layoffs, which now we're seeing they didn't hit 20%. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I ended up leaving because of that. And, um, yeah, and then I I sort of knew what I was going to do, and I that's I sort of left it a bit vague to say, well, I'm leaving, so I'm not there anymore, and I'll I'll let you all know when I figure out what I'm up to. And I already kind of knew, but I didn't want to like make it look like I was leaving, and I I hated them, and I got to right. start my own thing. I, I sort of wanted to have a bit of separation there. You were punching up. I, I have <laughs> no idea. Maybe. <laughs> It's all that know. comedy experience. It's got you feeling positive. Yeah. So yes, and then um, yeah. So we're gonna keep doing media co stuff. I don't know what our next thing will be, um, but um, yeah. So I'm starting my own. I'm calling it a magazine online. Um, but I mean, we ran the Edmontonian. It's it's similar to that. It's going to be a local news focused uh, publication. Nice. Yeah, so you're going to be doing it digitally online. It's not going to be a printed publication, the Edmonton Quotient. Yes. I see. That's interesting. And what I found really interesting is when uh, you started talking about ads, like you're going to focus on local ads. You're not going to do like an ad network like Google or Bing or anything like that. Yeah. Does does Bing have an ad network? What? That's awesome. Wow. Good for them. I believe so. (laughs) Okay. Bing. I think I've seen <laughs> Dana. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they do. I just, I'm just, yeah, it's Bing. Come on. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I well, I think um, my my bet, my hypothesis, uh, my gamble is <laughs> that uh, that local still carries a lot of weight. Um, so the content will be focused on local things, on Edmonton stories um, and some Edmonton media coverage um 
I don't know if I would say criticism, but um, definitely looking at like what is getting covered and how some of that comes together, just some, some media literacy. Um, but again, really focused locally. Um, and then, yeah, the stories that are produced um, will be local features, um, all looking at kind of Edmonton things and how things tie back into to Edmonton. Um, certainly as the major news organizations cut, um, we see that sort of that local stuff gets trimmed because you just have fewer and fewer people in the local newsrooms that are doing stuff day to day or certainly are then able to do stuff beyond the, the sort of core basics of covering like city hall and the police or the courts and, and breaking news stuff that the other stuff, the features, the longer form, the investigations, like those things kind of start to filter away because there's just not enough time and resources mm -hmm, right. to do them. Um, or there's more filler sort of nationally, right? We're seeing that with a lot of them too. It just sort of starts bringing in the national stuff mm -hmm. um, to fill time or fill space. Um, so definitely a big play on local. And yeah, in, in terms of the, the business model, um, that primarily looking at some, some advertising and sponsorship that would be, um, yeah, set aside for solely Edmonton, Edmonton and area businesses and and sold directly so in that way very similar to a, a print magazine i guess in the sense that you kind of are selling uh ads to to local businesses or regional businesses depending on your your magazine there um so yeah that's that's the the pitch because i think the dad networks and, and facebook advertising is is great and can very much help target people and target the right people in a lot of cases uh to what you're up to but I, I think in terms of putting that stuff on local media sites, uh, there are some downsides when it comes to, um, you know, those boxes not loading or if you have an ad blocker, um, but also that they're not local ads. So it's, you know, like, who cares if you're if you're on you know, the Edmonton Journal or you're on like Global Edmonton's website to read a local Edmonton story and you're seeing ads for stuff in B.C. or Toronto because the national company sold them right to right. those companies, right. it doesn't help you really, um, especially if it's not something you can actually go shop at here, right? Yeah, and for sure. and when you have those networks, then there's bids and stuff. If you get outbid by national or international, then then what's? Uh, I don't think there's a point to it in in that case. So I, I think um, the ads on a local site should be local. And hopefully, you know, there's a bit of that curation that happens with that so that people that come to Edmonton Quotient to read stuff or watch stuff or listen to stuff pay a little bit of attention to the ads just because they know they're all going to be local businesses. You know, maybe something they can go to today or maybe something they've heard about. And, you know, in terms of advertising, once you hear about it enough times, you probably want to check it out. Um, so there's there's almost a bit of a curation to the to the advertising model in the sense that it's not open to everyone um, and it's it's got to be local. And I mean, I'm sure there'll be some contact from businesses or I'll reach out to some businesses and we'll have to determine what does local mean. Like if you have a spot in Edmonton and Calgary, can you still buy an ad and, you know, those sorts of things. Um, I'd love to have those conversations because it means people want to buy ads. <laughs> That'd be great yep. if that's happening. If we're getting into the conversations where I actually have to discuss with someone if they're local enough to buy an ad or sponsor something, um, that'd be awesome. Because um, I think that too is something that gets lost in the cuts 
to local media is if they're filling up all their ad space with national sales, um, you know, in, in the paper, on TV, on radio, um, or online, they're doing both national sales or ad networks, then local businesses almost have to go to ad networks in Facebook because they can't mm-hmm. buy an ad on the Edmonton Journal site or on, you know, the Global Edmonton or CTV Edmonton website because there's just ad networks. So they're, they can buy them and get into those sites as well. But then they're, of course, going to find, well, well, they may end up finding better results somewhere else thanks to you telling them to get a Google ad. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. you lament that they're not buying advertising with you. Right. It's sort of, I, I think it's, there's, a, there's a vicious circle there. Yeah, well, yeah. and on the other on the other side of it, there's also uh, it creates a much more uh, symbiotic relationship with your advertisers and sponsors. If uh, the people who are you know buying buying or reading your publication know that you have this objective of uh, yes, we are going to bring you some messages from advertisers and sponsors, but they're going to be people who are local, and they're going to be products and services that you know we have a little bit of trust and or stake in. Um, and so your readership becomes more likely to use those businesses, which means those businesses become more likely to feed back into, um, you know, your sustainability. Um, and if you if you go the way pretty much the rest of the Internet has gone, it's more like, nah, I'm just going to see how many ad boxes I can stick on my site because I need to create more and more clicks and make more and more money that way. As opposed to saying, well, what if I actually treat the advertiser like my customer, I treat their ad very well, and I expose them to an audience who knows that I'm I'm featuring your ad because you have value uh, and you have value to my audience. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely it. Um, exactly that there's. There's a there's a point to the ad being there in this case, and and I don't see this becoming something like a like a newspaper where you're really hitting a very broad audience. Mm-hmm. I think it's still going to be small enough that um, in the early days, at least, the pitch is basically people are interested in Edmonton, and so you want to be in front of people who are interested in in the city that they live in, and they want to support things here. Um, including businesses, which, yep. and that too is sort of like, I, I think I differ from a lot of traditional journalists in that I'm sort of blurring that line between the, you know, the, the ads and the content. Like I'm not afraid to talk about the ads can be important and the local mm-hmm. businesses advertising means something and it, it funds it. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely that aspect to it. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think there's, there's any harm in having some of those ads there because you could argue that you're going to try and do stories, you know, editorial content that's fair and balanced on all of these great businesses, but you'll never get to everyone. No. So right. give, right. you know, if people want to spend a little bit of money to get in front of folks, um, I don't think that's too bad. And, and I started thinking about that a lot more last year when we did Underdogs because uh, – so we produced the web series, um, got a website for it. It's on YouTube. And – tried to find we spent a little bit of money promoting it which we had never really done before and so i'm looking for some places to buy some ads and you know that was uh an interesting experience um that sort of gave me some actual like input on like how easy it was how expensive it was what my options were um because i wanted to buy stuff either in edmonton or aimed at kind of comedy audiences so I had to look at a few publications that deal with comedy and then like some local stuff. Um, and it was, it was not difficult. It was difficult 
because I didn't have any money to spend, <laughs> uh, which is another piece of, of the puzzle I, I would hope to solve is that I, I think what I'll end up charging will be reasonable enough that most businesses could afford uh, at least a little bit of a run. Um, whereas like I can't afford for underdogs, I think I end up spending about a thousand bucks. So we bought, you know, some ads on a few different, um, you know, arts sites, um, including a couple locally, one TV site. Um, and then I was going to spend a bit of money on Facebook, uh, but I, I ran out of money. Um, but even that was like, okay, that was kind of all I could do. And that was a thousand bucks. Um, so it's, it's not nothing, but like to buy like a full page ad somewhere is still like $20,000. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Or, you know, if you have to have an ad in like a consecutive amount of like episodes or days, like just so you get a bit of that, you know, it catches people like it's still like thousands of dollars, which I mean, there's a point to it for sure. Um, but I, I hope that just putting it in a couple of the right places sometimes can, uh, you know, for a little bit of money can still catch the right people if it's it's the right audience. Well, I like that you said you're not afraid because that's uh, that works well with what, you know, I'm just thinking as you're talking is then, you know, Sally doesn't have to do the editing. I'll do the <laughs> editing. But then you can be, you know. The guy, like, what was his name? Ron something who had the pocket fisherman. Like, you you can be the guy selling these things in your ads on video. It'll be fun. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to figure out how to be a salesman. Uh, I haven't started that work yet <laughs> to do, like, sales calls and stuff. Um, but even then, like, I'm not going to try and hit everyone, right? I'm going to start with some some businesses and groups that I think could benefit um, or could get me in touch with the right kinds of people. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm hopefully not going to be going out on 10 sales calls a day, a day right? Cause it, it no, because it should be, be somewhat because you'll be starring targeted. in these 15-second right. bumps that we're making. That's right. I'm just trying to weasel myself in, I yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you can edit, then Sally would be on board. <laughs> um. So is it going to be subscription-based for the readers? How is that going to work? Yeah, so there's definitely advertising sponsorship. Um, I, I would hope to get uh, up and running enough to maybe do some events, so some small ticket prices on, on those um, to cover costs and things. Um, and I'll probably have um, a payment option, um, not necessarily a subscription in the sense that that's, that's what gets you the thing, so paywalled, um, more of a perk kind of system um if people want to give me some money that i can give them something that they may feel is 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 helpful or good enough sure and um the content would still be out there um good. eventually um, like all of it for free um but yeah maybe there's ways to get it into these these hands first or you know some mm -hmm. sort of early access um so you get to read it before anybody else and 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 yeah and, you know maybe some some invites or ticketing options that are, you know, first, again, first access or, you know, free or discounted tickets, um, that kind of stuff. And then I'm, I'm open to other ideas that, that come along or that, um, seem to present themselves as well, because I think the biggest thing for me in terms of the business model of it is to have, um, as many kind of solid streams of income as possible. Sure. Um, because if one goes down, you want to be able to kind of balance it in, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I mean, I know like Canada land has like a huge, you know, Patreon mm -hmm. like, uh, model there, but I'm sure they also have other income as well. Have you thought like, 
I mean, I feel like it, that's a really tricky thing these days, but have you thought of doing like an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter or no, not really? Um, I don't really think I'm, I'm a Kickstarter kind of person. Um, sure. And we've had these discussions too around like, you know, film and, and the yeah. stuff that we do there. That's mm-hmm. the huge. People are fundraising for, for shorts and web series and, and TV and movies all the time. Um, I think um, Sally and I in terms of the Media Co stuff, but I think me too, um, I think I'd rather make the thing, put the thing out there and say like, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. If you like this, and I'm asking for money. Okay. If you like this, give me money. Right. And if nobody likes it, well, I already made it. So I, I accomplished that. I put it into the world. Um, so that I'm happy with that. Like, so, you know, talking about like, um, the media coast, so doing startups or, you know, underdogs, or if we end up doing other, uh, other things that we've written, I think we would probably always try to find a way to get it done, produce it, make it, and then if there's a way to, you know, monetize it or sell it or, or whatever, um, I think that's more preferred just in the sense of we're never then sitting on an idea until the money comes along. Right. Which would, would always be, um, I think that'd be a, a bad thing. So, sure. yeah. So, I mean, in terms of this one, I, I thought about it. I've seen other um, news and local and hyper local like um, media things try it. And uh, it could work, um, I suppose. But I think I'm more, again, betting on that if I if I make this thing and you see what it is, um, people who, who, if I'm asking for money, but also like advertisers, like here's what it is, here's what it looks like. You can see how it works, how it looks, the kind of stuff that it it does. And if that seems like a good fit, great. Let's let's talk, um, as opposed to trying to like build up a bunch of seed money or build up like a Kickstarter pile of money. But then I got to like sign hats for six yeah, months or something. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've learned with our, like even our Patreon, we started it when we interviewed someone from Patreon on the okay. show. And, uh, even that, like to come up with like reward levels, just yeah. Paul and I bouncing off, like, what can we do? What won't then take away from show production because we're obviously bad at it. And uh, <laughs> like, well, how can we, you know, make this work? And we really, like I can admit it, I guess we really haven't made it work. But, you know, I see like some podcasts saying like, oh, like once a month you can join us in a hangout and we'll chat, that mm. kind of stuff. But uh, like you're saying, like well, the part of it for Paul and I, I like to speak for him because of the Skype delay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Part of it for us or all of it is just the enjoyment of what we do. So um, I think uh, we I haven't done it yet because we are redoing a lot of it. But mm-hmm. I think we're just going to get rid of all the rewards on Patreon. If you like us, awesome. If not, OK. And like Paul's suggestion was like every level can have this live feed that we're recording right now can have it as soon as possible if they give on Patreon. Otherwise they just have to wait until he edits right. it. So yeah, I think- cause I do, I do like a quick mix at the end of the night where I just take, you know, whatever we initially captured, I don't really do any scrubbing or anything like that on it. And I just, you know, truncate the beginning and end and everybody could have that. And it would be in their podcast catcher, you know, the very next day. Um, but you know, then later on the, the public feed gets, the final edited versions. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I think like as a, 
uh, a fellow media mogul, one to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You're talking to Paul, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> hi. Not me. I, I'm, I'm talking for Paul, as I usually do. Uh, he's the media mogul. Uh, I took six hours to set this up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm supposed to punch up. Is self-deprecating humor punching up? No, that's um, fine. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, you can make fun of yourself. Good, good. So, but I think like the thing that, um, what we love to do in today's like media, which is the internet is we love sharing. And I think like, that's the, probably the Mm -hmm. biggest hurdle with any kind of like early access or, or like subscription model is some way for people to share like the EQ stories with their friends. And and like you said, whether, and, and since you're also talking, it sounds like, more of like the long form journalism and deeper stories than like time sensitive items. And it it probably sharing won't fit into it as hugely, but that's certainly one thing when it comes to media, I know that my in-laws love to send me things every now and then, and they send it from their iPad. And so I get like an email that says, you got to check this story out. And it takes me to download the app right like it doesn't right. take me to the story <laughs> and so now that i'm a grumpy old man i'm like, like, you know, like but i do think like sharing is like a huge part of it and that's yeah that's where i think some of those other places like like even netflix like what a great thing would, would it be so cool if i could just send you the link to this series that i just watched jeff it'd be awesome but i can't do that that would be know? awesome you know that's yeah yeah, and, and I think um, in terms of sharing, uh, certainly thought about that too. And in terms of um, where I think some of the the media misses the the power of the internet and the power of kind of like the twenty four hour news world is that uh, even if it's a time sensitive story, it could still have legs much later and get picked up. And and there's a huge advantage to having that stuff you know online kind of forever because you just never know when something's going to catch fire, right? The right kind of like keyword comes up for somebody and all of a sudden a story that you wrote a year ago is getting like a hundred thousand views and you're, you're not sure why. Yeah. And, um, for sure. yeah, yeah. Because I definitely think that sharing is, is a huge part of the, the media ecosystem. Yeah. As I've started like writing, um, and doing a lot of that for the last two years, that's one of the things like I would get caught up in, especially when I was almost, pretty much the only writer at the site that I was working for. Like I would get it caught up in like, what's the latest greatest. And then eventually like my knuckles stopped being so white. And I started to realize there's just so much media, Mm -hmm. you know, like if these five sites are covering this, like why should I even chime in? Like I can point in with a a reblog, quote unquote, where I'd be like, oh, check out Polygon's story on this new VR technology, but I don't need to write it up myself just to get the traffic to, you know, the client that I'm working for. But now I'm just like, you know what? I didn't read this and I spend way too much time on the Internet. There's chances other people didn't read this either. And I'm interested. So I'm going to write about it. And so that's Mm -hmm. where I've been kind of digging down like. I was just writing about, uh, I think they just published it, but I was just writing about um, eat24.com, like their big thing that they did. I think it was like two or three years ago. We're talking about advertising and stuff here. Their big thing was they didn't have a lot of money and they found out if they advertised on porn sites 
that they would do better than if they advertised on Facebook and Google together, which was really quite interesting. And they had this whole blog post on it. And I never, I kind of heard some of Eat24 before, but I never really like understood like what propelled them to fame and what they eventually get bought out by Yelp. And so I wrote about that recently on awkwardhuman.com. And I was just like, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like they just learned like the most time that people were using their app to get food from restaurants was between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m. And that's also the time that people seem to be going to porn websites. So it worked out well for them. (laughs) Some good good research there on your ad market, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. But uh, but yeah, like you're saying, like it's it doesn't need to be all time sensitive, especially if you're going for like a a more local niche. So it's just uh, it's very interesting the way that these markets pan out. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm open to failing, right? That's the other thing is like, I've got some thoughts on how things might work and I'm going to make some bets and try some stuff and, uh, it'll work or it won't work. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that I've paid enough attention sort of to like local news and, and the markets and ecosystems to try and figure, figure something out. And, you know, last year when there were some big cuts, was really when people started asking, at least here in Edmonton, kind of like, well, where's stuff going to come from? Who's going to cover things? And it was really the first time that that really started getting asked quite widely. And so there's there's a bit of that as well, just trying to fill some of those gaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, when you get these big national conglomerations that sort of come in and take over like that happened in Michigan where I'm from like you know like all the radio stations are owned by Clear Channel in Michigan and all the newspapers are like Gannett Media and it's just like when you have that you get those little corners in your newspaper where like here's the police reports from your local borough or neighborhood like you don't get those in-depth stories you just get the like little paragraph like there was a break-in at this address yeah. <laughs> and then it's like a bunch of national. Yeah. yeah kind of Everything stories. else is from the AP. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. So that's really exciting. And uh, it's time for us to probably wrap up. Oh, look, like, well, I didn't use radio voice technically because it's scary. But uh, <laughs> uh, we've been talking for a long time. So, Jeff, we talked about the underground comedy. Uh, yeah series we talked about uh, edmonton quotient uh where can people find these things that's a traditional podcast thing to do like yeah so um so the, the comedy show is at the underdogs of comedy.com um also our youtube channel so youtube.com slash the edmontonian um so that's where that stuff is and a bunch of other videos that we shot uh, for the Edmontonian still live there. Um, yeah, Edmonton Quotient is edmontonquotient.com. Um, and right now it's just uh, depending on when this comes out, it may or may not just be a newsletter sign up. So mm-hmm. do not be alarmed. That's all it is. Um, and that'll be launching in February. And uh, and I'm on uh, Twitter at Jeff Sampsono. And uh Edmonton quotient is is it Yeg quotient? Yeah, on Twitter is Yeg quotient. It's one character too long. Whoa! Yeah, because it's <laughs> is it fourteen is the limit for a name, mm. and so it's fifteen. So I had to had to make it Yeg quotient. <laughs> Interesting. Or it would have been like Edmund Toe quotient or <laughs> Edmonton quotient. <laughs> yeah, one character too long. But I was like, you know what? I still think it's a good name. I could get it at all the other social medias. That's okay. 
Awesome. And as your first like first donation, I'm sure Paul will buy edmontoocean.com and, <laughs> and redirect it to you. Yeah. That seems <laughs> to be awful. a trend on our site, on our podcast. <laughs> um, I also have a brief plug before we go. I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to my little holiday that I've been trying to start the last couple of years. Uh, someday in February, the third Saturday in February, it's the 18th this year. And that's my idea to just do something on your someday list because we all have like a wish list of things that we put off to do someday. But all of our regular to do's like laundry and those things get in the way. And it feels really good to accomplish something on the someday list. And so check out someday in Feb, someday in org. Oh good. I wrote it down. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> check that out and get involved. There's like a Facebook, uh, little event and everything. And, uh, Danica LeBlanc from variant Edmonton's helping me out with it this year so that I have another pair of helpful eyes and helpful person to keep going with it so that I don't get lost in podcasting and things like that. So I'm really excited for that. And you can find me at sick days, S I K K D A Y S on uh, Twitter. And yeah, I think I have a website. You can go to jeffsamsono.com if you want to learn more about Jeff. And I have a website and it's like sickdays.me, I think. So there. And then there's also this Paul Feller. Yeah. Hi. I, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, at Paul D on Twitter. And uh, then you can also go to padizio.com, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O, to uh, catch links to all of the other places that I exist on the web in social media forms and otherwise. <laughs> nice. Also vampire form. But there's no there's no <laughs> HTTP link for that. So. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I, thanks again for everyone to listening for listening. Uh, I'm glad I'm stopping now because I can't talk. Yeah. Uh, I, I have one. I had one question for you, Chris. Uh, where can people go to check out the network that we are a part of now? Or is there not a official landing page where they can check that out yet? Uh, she does have a landing page for people to sign up. Um, and uh, okay. And she, I know the last time I talked or the last time we had a podcast meetup was mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, December or November. Um, so there's one coming up this weekend, actually the 29th at Variant Edition. If you got anyone's listening, wants to check that out, wants to learn about podcasting, wants to start their own or anything like that. Um, but it's uh, seen and heard in Yay. I think, is it just seen and heard.com? I'm a terrible person. I should know this. I guess I'll have to open up the browser. This is why it's a great idea, folks, to go to the show notes <laughs> at montrealsauce.com. And, yeah, it's, uh, and you can, uh, you can get links to all of that kind of stuff. There. It's just like the easy and lazy way yes. to find all the links. Exactly. exactly right. It's seen and heard yeg.com. So boom, there we go. Um, and anyway, that's the show in two weeks. Uh, we will be back as we do. Uh, so that, uh, when we come back, our very first guest and part of our film frown family, Dan Hogan, is coming back to update us on his story and what's been going on in his uh, life. And so I'm excited to talk about his progress as an artist, as a self-promoter. And, of course, we'll probably talk some film and TV as we always fall into that. So find us on Facebook if you're interested. Talk to us or my mom, who's uh, 
person, the admin of that group and uh, Twitter and Patreon. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. And remember if life gives you potatoes, make poutine.